Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Gray, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. I'm still drink. I'm still drinking the Kool Aid. I don't care what our record is. The White Sox are fucking back, people. This is the Blackout Show, and let me tell you something. As a stand, as a homer, I have no other choice but to celebrate this win. Now we're gonna take it another level. I still believe the White Sox are winning. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm just. We're gonna win the Central. Period. Wow. 20 and 30 record, probably the yeah. best two weeks of baseball that the Whites have had under Pedro Grafal. Very promising. Got to give them credit. They're whooping on the teams that they're supposed to be whooping on their division. Uh, I love Grafal's revenge. I think that after what happened in, in Kansas City, they've come out, got revenge against KC, and then got revenge against Cleveland. We all know what they did last year, uh, you know, celebrating in the field and, and chanting, you know, fire Tony and kind of just making poking fun of in the Sox all, all the month of September. So again, the, the great, great two series. And now they go against the Cinderella team. We're back, Tigers. OJ. We're back. I'll be, I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be more mature than, than most White Sox, uh, the, the, the world of the White Sox and their fans. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. It's been two great weeks, but every week we, we have a new storyline and, and we praise somebody or we rip somebody apart 20 and 30. They still, they're, they're, they're moving forward. But they still have a huge road ahead to climb and a huge, huge challenge just because of how bad April was. Um, they need to finish really strong in May in order for them to to still have a chance for this division. Man, how you doing, Gonzo? I mean, you hear what my man OJ is saying. Like, come on. Like, we, get, we ate up a lot of ground in a short amount of time in a week division. Seriously. Yeah. In a week, we cut it in half. So... I think I posted it on Twitter with this poll that we had that Ricky blew the same amount of lead and, and way less games of the season that's left right now. So, yeah, mathematically, we always wait, have a wait, shot. Wait, Rick Renteria did? Yeah, we had a six-game so in 19. Yeah, six <laughs> games. He had, what, four out of those six? He had terrible So it was Ozzy's fault in 2005 that the Guardians or oh, that the Indians did you hear that last part I said? He had four huge bullpen decisions made in that Cleveland series that blew those games away. Well, okay, yeah, going to Rodon when the guy had pitched like four times in four years was a poor choice. But 
right was off, it his decision? That all on right off, right off the, the way, DL. Yeah. By the way, was it Ricky's decision? Do we do we have a fact on that, or we or we not know that that it might have been coming from upstairs good and they were trying to make question. a qu- good question? That's that's something that we we will never know because Ricky has been very private, um, never shared those thoughts. Uh, but I'm still up in the air on that one on the decision. And here's the thing: Ricky still went to the playoffs. He still got there. The question is. This Sox team right now has to play 10 games above 500 to just catch my guy, Tony LaRusa's 81 and 81 team. And they need to play 20 games above 500 to win 91 games, which I think would get them the division very, very easily. I still, I'm going to stay with the the team that I picked in the beginning of the year because we do keep receipts here in the blackout show. I still had the the Guardians uh, winning the division. They're playing horrible. Again, they're not doing anything right. The, the Twins have been a team that has kind of surprised everyone. The Tigers are playing extremely well. And the White Sox, we did not expect them to play this bad. So are they still in it? Absolutely. But it's not as easy as we played really good for two weeks and we're going to do this for the next 112 games because historically they have not been able to play above 500 for more than two weeks for a very, very, very long time. And it's just, this team is streaky. They're streaky. They'll win 10 in a row. But guess what? They will, can give it back very easily, the other 10. So I'm just talking about historical, unless these guys made a huge jump. Again, it's very promising. Uh, the culture of the team seems to have a little bit changing. And when, I'm not talking about culture in the clubhouse. I'm talking about the demeanor of the players. We're seeing more Berger healthy. We're seeing more Sheets healthy. Uh, we're seeing Ben Attendi. Uh, we got this new guy in the outfield, that, which I didn't even know existed. Hey, Clint, month Fraser, ago. Clint Fraser. Clint You know, hey, he plays really hard. Again, a quiet guy, like just making the right plays. The future MVP, Clint Frazier. Yeah, you know, exactly. it, 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 I'm seeing a little bit Bingo. more grind. Less, the Yomiuri less... Giants MVP or yeah. the Shanghai Sharks. <laughs> less less swagger, but seems like more grind. Um, so I can't, you can't hate against that. So they, they're whooping on the teams that they have to whoop. And again, statistic-wise, I think the guys have thrown the ball extremely well. Uh, Kelly's probably having the best bullpen, uh, you know, the last Joe Kelly looked noise these days. Yeah, and then I don't remember anybody being that good. Maybe Jenks when he had that run, uh, and then Kopech, the way he's been throwing the ball, uh, has been absolutely the best since he's ever been since he's ever been a White Sox member. So I let just, me split some, split some numbers at you guys. Since May sixteenth, Sox are seven and two. In the last ten days, like Gonzo said, they've gained four games on the division. Um, looks like Carlos Correa is about to go on the shelf for a little bit. Joey Gallo, I, I feel like. He's one of those guys where, like, this is kind of sustainable for him. He's kind of the three true outcome type guy. So, like, I could see him having just a monster season. But, like, a monster season for him, he might still hit 206. But if he's got 50 bombs, then whatever. Um, so, 13-9 and nine in the month of May for the White Sox after that just terrible April. In the last, uh, what, nine days, whatever this is, since the 16th, they have the number one starting pitcher ERA in baseball, 1.86. Um, and the 1.01 ERA by the bullpen is third in baseball. So it's basically, at least pitching-wise, a total reverse of what happened in April. They gave up bomb after bomb in April. They walked a ton of guys. The bullpen was awful. Grafol was feeling things out and trying to figure out what the hell was going on and what guy to use. And, um, you know, right now it seems like they're – they're finding a bit of a rhythm, at least on the mound. Offensively, though, the numbers are still pretty bad, which I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I think 
if you go seven and two, granted it's against crappy teams, if you go seven and two in this stretch with the offense still 26th in baseball with a 6.67 OPS and hitting 14th in baseball with a 7.19 OPS with runners in scoring position, I mean, is that is that just indicative of the crappy offense that they have right now, or is it maybe if they can? The pitching's not going to have a one ERA the rest of the year. We know that. But if you continue to pitch well and the offense slowly comes around, okay, now maybe you're seeing the the team that we thought potentially could be fielded this year. Let's also we all have to acknowledge, and you know we've gone 15 minutes and we haven't done so yet. This division is god awful, and that's the only reason we're even having this conversation right now. So as long as we're all acknowledging. And it's again, it's, it's nothing that Rick Hahn or Jerry Reinsdorf or anybody on the White Sox did. It's not their choice to play in a shitty division. It just is a shitty division. So you beat up on the teams that you need to beat up, and you know you'll have a chance. This is an, uh, I guess, a, a missed opportunity because of the schedule this year, though, that they don't play as many division games as they normally would in the season. So maybe that hurts them in the end. Um, I still, and I'm with Junior. I think I'd still probably take Cleveland. They started slow last year, too. And there's a lot of parallels. And we'll get to Dylan Cease maybe a little bit later in the show. There's a lot of parallels to how this season has started with the White Sox and Guardians or certain players on the White Sox even. Um, Cleveland didn't really pick it up until midway through the season last year. And then the second half, they just played like really good baseball all around. Um, Andres Jimenez was hot at the beginning of the year, but different story. Um the only reason we're having this conversation is because the Central sucks. They have the worst record in Major League Baseball cumulatively and then the worst record outside of the division. So when you're not playing an AL Central opponent, they just get beat up by everybody else. It's like a 370 win percentage now. That's um, disgusting. It's terrible, yeah. So if you're the White Sox, you got to beat the crap out of the Guardians and the Royals. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the irony of this is that two weeks ago, they got the shit kicked out of them by the Royals in Kansas City. And now all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, now it's time to blow it up. Now you win three series in a row. You have a great homestand. It's like, oh, we're back. So, I mean, I don't know. It, but I think it's more so that they won those last three series versus divisional opponents. So but they, they also they got took their care of business by the Royals, which well, is a divisional opponent just two weeks ago. You're in a marriage. Right, but that's marriage one opponent versus three. You're, you're in a marriage. But, you're a horrible marriage. And it's a horrible marriage, but then you go on vacation, have great sex for three weeks, <laughs> and you think you're happy. We're gonna see if this marriage is saved, or if this is still a really shitty marriage. Because, and that's something that worries me, because it's like, what team are you gonna get? And everyone in the division is the same as the White Sox. When you look at at the Minnesota Twins, the reason they've won so many games is because they are pitching lights out. Their pitching has been unbelievable, especially in the starting pitching. Their offense has been there, yes and no. Cleveland, which is the worst team out of the bunch, is because they are not pitching well and their hitting just sucks, just like everybody else. The Tigers, again, hitting's okay. Pitching's been amazing. So it's a vision that's like the pitching's going to carry you and the offense is horrible. Again, on paper, okay, and it's going back to being healthy. I still believe if Burgerman plays full season, he will hit 35 home runs out. That's not, that's not even a question. I think the guy has a pop. Um, to do that but again it's like putting it not having individual great seasons is putting it all together um which is something that i think when we get to grafal's grounds what you're going to talk about i think pedro grafal's on the right track okay but going in here right now and, and, and claiming and saying the white Sox will win the division 
I'm not ready to do that. But if you bet them plus 800, trust me, it's great action because this division is up for grabs uh, just because it's so shitty. Yeah, I think, honestly, uh, to go back to your point, Slav, I don't think the offense is just being bad. I just think the the team is getting a new makeover and they're starting from scratch. They're going, they're going, getting back to the primal essence of baseball, moving guys over. It's been a lot of productive outs in this stretch because you got to think if you're going to, if you're slugging like 300 as a team and you're batting damn near around the Mendoza line and you're still winning games. Yeah. Your pitching is doing good. It's holding up. It's uh end of the bargain, but what are you doing with your outs? Cause you're making a lot of outs. So when you get a guy on the roster like Clint Frazier, who can maybe give you a defensive gem and probably steal you a run in certain aspects, that could help you bridge yourself between fucking having to swing for the fences to get two runs or being manu- being able to be efficient enough to manufacture a run to d- get yourself a five-run frame in the fourth against Cleveland, a good defensive team, a team that knows what to do when the ball is put in play. So we posted on the Blackout Show Twitter account earlier today. Do you think the White Sox can come back and win the division? We have 99 yeah. votes. 99 votes. 82% of people say yes. I love the So people. they are, like you, Jay, they are drinking the, the Kool-Aid. Um, two weeks. So two weeks. It's not even two weeks. It's Where not even we two weeks. Nine days. I, I'm just saying, though, two, last week we, we, we had a show on if they blew it up, Okay, how would it be done? And in less than two weeks, that same amount of people are back on the White Sox saying that they're going to we wanna unblow it up. Again, I don't think that they should blow it up. I'm I'm just saying that they're going to compete. But today, Pantera left with some some sort of tightness somewhere. He he didn't finish the game. Okay. So it's I'm being realistic and looking in, in the at least he refo- communicated the tightness. At time. least he communicated the tightness. And he has also learned his coach's name. But wow. moving forward, so <laughs> is this is this something that can affect the White Sox? Here's the worst case scenario. The White Sox stay in it long enough, but don't make the playoffs. And they don't move guys that they should to put themselves in a position to be better in 23, in 24, in 25, which will all be managed by Pedro Griffol and the growth that he is having with these young players of like, there seems to be a plan. They seem to have bought into Pedro Griffol's, you know, the buy-in in in their philosophy and like what they're doing and the way that they're approaching information and kind of like they're becoming Pedro's crew. So worst case scenario is that this team is in like in the hunt, but not really. And they don't move anyone because that happened last year. Okay. With Jose Abreu. Okay. And in the long run, it was a great move because Abreu obviously is not playing to the level that the money that he was asking for is, is, uh, you know, it's worth it, but we didn't get anybody. The Sox did not get anybody in return for him. So this year, it's not just one player. There's a couple guys in that team that probably will not be on the White Sox uniform next year because of how much money they make. Do you want to be stuck not getting anything in return? That's what right now is like, are they good enough to compete? You kind of like just go and compete and white flag it and kind of like, let's see what we got just because we have such a bad April. That's where I'm at 50-50. And like, I think that date, is that trade deadline in June, the all-star break of like where you're realistically at. I just All right, feel... so let's, let's dig in real quick um, on some of the reasons why this nine game turnaround 
has been so good. Let's do Griffold's Grounds. You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a, on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. This is Griffal's Grounds, and today's game, Kopech threw an absolute gem. And Griffal actually took him out of the game after the eighth inning, and I think he was at 92 pitches, so you could have gave him a shot to go for that, you know, that complete game. Or sorry, sorry, he took him out after seven. After seven today, yeah. I'm thinking back to Friday's start, but... So that, there you go. That sets me up. So Grafal takes him out after seven at 92 pitches. Doesn't allow him to go to the eighth. Similar, similarly, Grafal also took him out. Took him out at, on Friday's start after eight. Not allowing him to go to a complete game in that start either. So in back-to-back starts, this guy is absolutely dominating. And you can argue, you know, Grafal's taking him out too early in both starts. Um, but, guys, it's just unbelievable seeing where Copex, you know, I know like a month ago we were having a debate with Copex and McKenzie, and Copex went through a rough April, and now he's starting to turn things around. And even though, like, in those starts that he was getting roughed up, the run value on his fastball was up there in the MLB. So it was And the just, velocity was up too, Gonzo. Yeah, it was just him trying to, you know – because I feel like he was opening up too soon and he was just out of control all over the place. But once he tightened himself up, took that glove in, he started to become more focused in that zone, hitting the edges a little bit more easier. And ultimately, I, I get that the the opponents have been some of the weakest on um, their batting averages being bottom of the league, but he's taking care of business versus not only opponents that he should be taking care of, but divisional foos at that so uh, what I like to see is him. Foos. They are foos. Perfor- his performances are um, s- pretty solid, and that's where we need to see him going forward here, um, especially if Cease is able to figure himself out too. Those two t- arms at the top of your rotation, that's looking pretty solid moving forward. Well, f- 15 innings, 19 strikeouts, one walk. That is easily the most important thing. Strikeouts be damned, velocity be damned, spin rate, everything else. Same story with Kopech that it is with Cease. If they aren't walking guys, chances are they're going to be successful on the mound. 19-1 strikeout to walk ratio, it's obviously not sustainable, but like that is exactly what you want to see. And today it was it was nice. He he topped out at 99, which I feel like we haven't really seen a ton um, with him as a starting pitcher sitting 96, 97 comfortably, but you know, the, the, their, uh, the changeup has been much more of a weapon for him and it's playing so well off of that fastball. I think that the bullpen conversation, should we put him in the bullpen right, right now, completely put a halt to it. I don't care if you're facing a winter ball team in Latin America, you're facing a high school team, you not go 19 and one strike out to walks. That's impressive. Um, his start, where he basically had the closest thing you can have to a perfect game uh, in eight innings was amazing. I think we're fault taking him out while he has a chance to win and kind of like letting him, you know, 
worrying about more about his health and the way he's been able to bounce back start after start. I think it's working because Pedro, he's been able to do it. Uh, you know, what's the difference between a complete game? If the next game, he won't be able to pick up his leg up or his arm. Pedro's basically understanding his body really well in Kopech and they seem to be communicating uh, fairly well. Uh, I These guys, teams are big league teams, guys. Kopech, to be honest, other than the fact that he might have been tipping pitches versus those other teams, it hasn't been a velocity issue. It's been one of control. When you start tipping, you start kind of making adjustments that really don't work. I'm not saying I'm comparing these two pitchers, but I got to spend a lot of time with Jose Contreras when he came over. I became his translator from day one. He was dog shit in 2004. He got traded here basically to Chicago from the Yankees because every time he picked up the ball, he would just get hammered. And this guy was throwing just like Kopech, 98-99, nasty split. And it took him a while to figure out that he was tipping. Once he figured out that tipping situation, just like the fact that whatever he was doing not to do it anymore, he went probably on the best run I ever saw. I've ever seen. So Jake Arrieta did it on yep. any starting pitcher where he just ran through everyone in that season. And his career obviously changed completely in the United States and he became a great pitcher, but it was that simple because his arm was healthy, just like Kopech is right now. And it looks like he figured out obviously the whole situation of him tipping. If you look at players facing Kopech in the beginning of the year, their comfort level at the plate, way different than the comfort level of today. Absolutely. You're looking guys guessing. When you look at guys like, you know, shaking their head, like, and you know, they're not, they don't know if it's to sit off speed or, or sit on the fastball. They don't look comfortable on the plate. That's when you know the pitcher has their best stuff. And Ozzy's been saying it on NBC uh, in, in, in the pre and post game show that, that Kopech has the nastiest stuff, meaning like just, gift and ability so if he's if he has been able to figure that out uh whatever it is that he's doing with ethan Katz, whatever they fix he's gonna have a really good year because he has the again he has the ability he's not a guy that's going up there with, with 80 45 he has the arm to compete uh i just you want to talk about tipping pitches i was there the copex start against the giants at the rake you got a guy like tyro estrada who doesn't have a strike zone he was taking hacks at everything you look at a guy like Mikey Ostremski, who's a little bit more patient, a little bit more. He could he singles out pitches. They were taking the same hacks. So that right there, I was seeing that from the left center field bleachers. I was like, oh, my God, Ostremski is fucking dug in. Like, you go to now, and these hitters are completely handcuffed. They have no chance. When you talk about a 19-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio with Kopech stuff, there's not a lot of quality contact there there's nobody that got the ability to swing with square or even x right now i'm I, if you look at his savant page probably the hard hit rate against Kopech right now is, is going down so i think you know i was one of the people i'm gonna be honest here i was one of the people that was like get Kopech out of my rotations banish him to the shadow realm and the bullpen but how can you do that when this is the first time in his career he's given you back-to-back starts of longevity in length they're not four and two-thirds these are seven strong closer to eight you know what i'm saying how can you take that out of your rotation when that's exactly the consistency you've been wanting from at least one aspect of your your team and, and he's you never know. It, it, could, it could trip it could, it could trickle down even look at dylan cease his last couple starts he's starting to reel it in a little bit big lance is sprinkling a dub during the streak you know this could be the domino effect I think I think from a standpoint of the future, again, if you get Kopech, that's two starters that are extremely young, and you know you have 
you know, two guys that you don't have to worry about penciling in. And I'm going to give credit. We're in Grafal's grounds to Pedro Grafal. In the beginning, we, we might have been trolling him, kind of making fun of him. And when he kept saying, you know, be patient, uh, we have a process. We're kind of working on it. It's going to take time. We're just we're still doing the right things. We're putting the work in. And uh, he seems to have a plan. He, he didn't panic. OK, he kind of just is letting it ride out. And we're starting to see players that are fairly young kind of start gravitating towards Grafol's information and communications. We got the guys on the offense. We got guys like Berger, guys like Cheats, um, you know, Romy kind of like having better at bats. Savala kind of like their numbers are looking a lot better from the offensive side. Guys that, you know, we're not doing as well. In the Look at what Romy's been doing the past. Well, well correct. Days. And then you got guys like Michael Kopech, where he's never been vocal about a manager before. He's never talked about what it was like. And he's very, you know, he comes out and says, you know, that it's great when you have a manager believing you, uh, that they're in communications, that like it's kind of moving forward. So you're seeing guys that are fairly young, okay, um, and and go out there and, and, and compete. So you have to give some credit to Grafal where he's like, we're doing the work, results will come. And if this is something, Pedro's not just thinking this season, but he's thinking the year afterwards and the year afterwards, because with the money that's coming off the books, if Grafal can find himself a really good core of players, and the guys that will stay back here, like make some, take them to the next level, the White Sox will again be competing for the division in 24 and 24 and in 25. And I think that's one of the positives that you got to take from this, from this growth in this two weeks where, you know, you're not, you're, you shouldn't have to move these guys. Gonzo, uh, I know you, you talked about Griffol pulling Kopech maybe too early, but sometimes number one, like, especially with the way the bullpen has been pitching, you got to, you know, ride the guys like Joe Kelly. We talked about, you know, you got to ride the guys who've been incredible. Number two, eight innings of almost perfect baseball for a guy like Kopech specifically, if he goes out in the ninth and gets hit hard, or he comes back out today in the eighth and gives up three runs, that confidence that he had for those eight innings is now gone because he just ends it on a bad note. Like not that that's not, to say that he didn't have the confidence that that would happen or lack of confidence in Kopech, but it's also something that Grafol has to factor in. Like, okay, he's been lights out. He's at 92 pitches. Do we give him one more inning? And if he gets in trouble now, we got to go to the bullpen in a not clean inning. Like I, I don't mind. I understand it's like a, there's two lines of thought. Like one of the things I loved about Ozzy is that, like Gavin Floyd, John Garland, like guys that he had who were not necessarily proven. He let them, he gave them that extra inning. He had that faith in them and it didn't always work out. But for the most part with those guys, it did work out. I, I don't know if Grafol has that yet with Kopech where he's confident, like, all right, you're at 92 pitches. Go ahead. I'm going to give me 15, 20 more pitches, max effort and let's go. And I think part of it is we saw a lot of the same stuff last year when they said we need to save him for October. And I know Kopech is kind of that, that mentality of like, no, screw you. I want this game. I want the next inning. And I love that in a starting pitcher, but I, I don't mind as much the, you know, and on a high note, you got seven incredible innings, eight incredible innings. Let, let him just enjoy it. The bullpen has been great. Why? No sweat. That's just my thoughts on it. So for, for me, I can, come to agreement with preserving the arm, but in the situation where Friday, it was a five, I think it was a five run game. 
and he goes to his setup man in his pen. But then the ne- you know the next day you have Cease going up in a tough matchup. So why won't you preserve them if you know it's going to be a close game when you're probably going to need them? Because sure enough, he needed a setup man the next day. Couldn't use them because he already went to them the day prior. So that's where when I'm thinking you should be able to, you know, strategize that. Well, that's and... more about who he went to as opposed to pulling Kopech. That's a 20 and 19. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I have a 15 and, and 30 something record. He's trying to win every single game. He's a first yeah. year manager. He's but in he's, a five run game. Like, God, by the way, for Griffal, five run game right now at 20 and 30, his butt <laughs> is this tight. His ass is tight. He's sweating. That's a first year manager, my friend. With the start that he had, five run lead to him is like, this game is a one nothing ball game. And again, will this affect them down the line on how he manages? And again, this, this is where, there's a difference between a first-year manager and you're managing, you know, a team that's not going to compete like the Cincinnati Reds or Kansas City. But if you're in a pennant race, moves that you make early in the season either affect you because there's no growth in a player or you start using your pen a little bit too much and down the line and down the stretch, this might affect you. This is where that that balance happens at a five-run lead. When you manage that way, you say you want to. Panic. He went to a guy like Middleton in a tight game that was on Sunday, actually. So, like, I don't know why you couldn't do the same thing on Friday. Go to a guy in a lesser, you know, a low-levered situation like Middleton to end the game than going to Lopez when you're going to need your setup guys the next well, day. That, I mean, well, that's so. to OJ's point, Gonzo. Like, what's low leverage to to Griffal? None of this is – everything is I got to nail this shit to the cross every <laughs> yeah. fucking night. <laughs> low, high leverage. He's first inning, he's in high – first inning for Griffal is high leverage. He's, 20, he's 30. <laughs> he's 20 and 30. Okay, let, let's just keep it. Let's keep it real. He's thir- twenty and thirty. He made a video saying he was going to kick people's asses, and it was not going well. Hey, we kicking ass this. this and and now, but I'm saying though, I I think, you know, I I think that people, I think that people think that Griffal has to say we're panicking, in order for him to be panicking. You could be panicking in the way you make moves, okay. And I think that when you're managing, and this is what you know, if, if Penny and these guys are talking to him about where he can improve or like where they're going to get him help is those situations where, you know, you might want to have a guy grow or you might not want to use a guy too much uh, or you're not using him in the right situation or like kind of use another arm in, in a five run league game. Like don't, but I, I got that's a, a big, that's a big, that's a big boy Phil. I got a question. Now we know Kopech been absolutely shoving the last couple starts. Has, do you think he still hasn't earned the right to tell Griffal I'm not done yet? Nobody has a right to tell Griffal he's not dying. Griffal's the, the 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 manager. No, but no. we've seen we've seen we've seen instances of pitchers talk themselves into games. Yeah, and that's never to a keep good thing. Themselves on the mound. What no. what has Michael Kopech done to to earn that? No, no. Fifteen innings is not going to all of a sudden flip a switch. I don't like, think right, I don't think there's anyone. I don't think there's anyone in the White Sox today. Okay. That has earned that for Grafal. Maybe in their past history, there's no one today that's earned that for Grafal. Says, God, it took Freddie Garcia going all the way to a to a freaking Anaheim to a semifinals <laughs> to tell Ozzy Guillen, please leave me in. And they said, you're going hitter by hitter. So again, that's a different storyline. That managers are very different. But no, man, that's Pedro's decision. When Pedro goes up to the mound and asks for the ball as a pitcher you need to believe that he is doing the right thing for you. The moment that the team starts second-guessing Pedro's move, if it's too early, 
or if it's too late, it's never going to work because now you're second guessing your manager. You there. I disagree with you because I think there's there's either there's two ways to go about it. Like I love that Kopech has that mentality. Like fuck you, I want the ball. I want it to get this final out. I want to get myself out of this jam that I created. But when you take it to like the Dallas Keuchel method of being passive aggressive in the post game and like saying I think I've earned the right, okay, that's a different story. But the mentality of saying like Max Scherzer. I want him screaming at my manager. No, leave me in. No, leave me in. I love that. That's the type of guy that you want on the mound. But he's earned that. To your point, Junior, there's nobody on the White Sox. Like maybe Lynn in 21, the first half of 21, or even like the final month of last year, the way he was pitching. Cease maybe the second half last year, but like nobody's done that for an extended stretch. And not for Pedro. But exactly. I, I think I, I, I think, think Giolito. I think Giolito has with Pedro though. And what are you talking? What? There's three starts there that Giolito was. Dude, dude three at, starts. It, it's May 24. It's May. No way. Yeah, but no it's way. what? Three weeks. No way. I, and I think and Giolito's been your but Giolito's been your best arm. Like he went through he, that stretch there where he was eating up innings, going deeper into the games, and Pedro was allowing him to go deeper. And this is so where I Katz, do think he earned it. Here's yeah, but cats. he was pitching well. It was never like a I'm gonna pull you. Giolito no. had multiple no. times where no, there were starts he there. Pissed. He got tagged in that first inning. He got tagged, and then he went deeper into the ball game after that. Tampa Bay. That was exactly. when their bullpen was dog shit. Exactly. Who are you gonna go to? I think that when you go into that conversation, and again, this has nothing to do with what happens in the game. I'm talking about in in management, and 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 Slav hit a good point. These are the difference between pitchers. There's pitchers that don't care no matter what you do. They're going to bitch. That's just who they are. There's pitchers that don't care at all. They just want to get the win and, like, the runs not get tagged. There's guys that want to compete because there's a switch in their head that when it's changed and they start binding you like it's a trust thing. So, meaning if you trust me, even if I fail, I'm you're making me better because now I'm, like, really going to take bullets for you. So, if Kopech falls in that third category where – you know, he might give up one or two runs and his ERA might go a couple points up, but you just build him up like two levels up from a trust standpoint where he will go out and like now he's really buying into your program. That's a conversation that Pedro and, and Ethan, and that's something that Pedro, and this is where you can't use analytics. He needs to know who Kopech is personally. And, I, and that's a guy like Chris Sale. John Garland was like that. You know, him and Ozzy always had like things because John didn't like coming out of games. Mark Burley could care less. He was like, you know, I could care less. But there's guys that are competitive that don't want to get pulled out. So that's a conversation that you have to have. And like, bro, it's like it's like your boss. Like, there's people that like to get yelled at in public. There's people that want to get challenged. There's people that want the, you know the ball at the biggest moment. So finding that out about uh, Kopech, and that's what I like about Kopech. I like his competitive intensity, which now I think it's like really honed down. He does never he never shows emotion on the mound when he's getting tagged uh, or when he's pitching while he shows like he's tough. Uh, which he is something that I like when the Astros started chirping at him. Yeah, but I mean, like, but I mean, like, that's like a, that's like a, like a, I'm gonna get back at you emotion. It's not like yeah, a, that's like a response. Yeah, it's not like a little yeah, bitch emotion. Then it's like, oh, uh, like the, uh, like the bad body language because he's been, yeah. dude, he's been had games where I, I, I'm like, I'd be on the mound like crying, like looking into the dugout. The like, San Francisco come get start. Me. Yeah, come get me. Like I'd be like looking, and he could have, you know, he could have been very emotional and he handled it very well. Um, but I think from this two weeks. 
Okay, I think that out of everything that happened from Griffol, I think him managing the pitchers, the bullpen, again, they're winning. The lineups have been pretty good. This growth that Kopech has been able to have, which is resembling what Seas did last year under Tony, I think Ethan Katz might have got his next guy over the hump. And if moving forward, even if he doesn't pitch like the first game that he did, but he gives you, a, 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 a you know, four runs or less, you know, seven Ks a game, going six, seven innings, that's huge. That's like you have another top arm in your rotation moving forward. Huge win. I want to touch on one more thing this week um, on Sunday. I can only count maybe, not top of my head, but maybe one time that um, Grendel's staff wanted to execute a sack bunt, but they were able to put a sack bunt down to move the runners to second and third. The next man up, Rami hits a triple and drives the, those two guys in the score to open up the game. Um, that's s- small baseball right there, smart baseball that I want to see more often with this club, um, especially with how Grandal or not Grandal, Griffal before the season, you know, saying that we're going to strategize, we're going to execute. Like I, this is the part of the plan I want to see more often. Um, especially with guys going down to injury. Like, you just have to play that type of baseball to win these close games. Um, I love to see it, and I know that I won't see Juan in the chat, but I know Juan was blowing up my phone when this was going down, and I was absolutely loving seeing that ki- that kind of baseball being executed. Especially maybe that's after what they are. my loss to the Twins, that extra inning game where I wanted to punch myself in the face uh, when Billy Hamilton was in scoring position, like three straight <laughs> innings, they couldn't bring him home. Like, I hope he made some sort of comment after that because they have turned it around a little bit since then. Like, um, but it's good that he's able as a manager to push those buttons and the guys actually execute it. Uh, so I agree with you there. Like we can all tell ourselves in life what we want to be, but sometimes we're just not that guy, right? Like I'm six, six, but I'm not an NBA player. I can, Tell myself I'm the height of Michael Jordan. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that I'm Michael Jordan. If you can, you tell yourself you're a good team or a power hitting team or whatever, if it doesn't actually manifest itself, you have to be able to adjust. One of the things I loved about working with Olin Krutz is he always used the term self-scout, self-awareness, learning and knowing who you are and what you are. If you aren't what you think you are, you have to adjust. You have to adapt and you have to find out a way, figure out a way to make it work. And I'm glad that Griffol is able to get that message across and then they're actually doing it and executing it. And I think that this, this roster, the way that they're going about it now. Okay. Uh, and, and Jay, when you talk about the growth that, that uh, Kopech has had, it has exactly to do with this. Kopech is figuring out who he is as a pitcher. Okay. Not what marketing is telling him, Okay, not what the media is telling him, not what the fans are telling him. He's actually going there and saying, I am going to capitalize on what I am good at. Okay, this team has had an identity crisis, okay, for four years. The Ricky's boys can't quit. They're a home run hitting team. They're going to win the World Series. We have more talent than anyone ever assembled together. We're supposed to hit 350 home runs because Mike Trout Trout is a, a Pantera is the next coming of Mike Trout. And this guy is that, and this guy is that. And I feel that for the since Griffal's been here, the players are starting to realize maybe we're not that team. And Pedro's realizing I am going to manage to what this team is. 
And that's what people don't realize that teams that know themselves really well, Tampa, they know exactly who they are. Baltimore, they know exactly who they are. When they start doing things like that and like how we've seen Cleveland playing really bad right now, they've gone away from what they were good at. They started hitting a couple home runs. You know, they had numbers started packing up and now they're like, they lost to where they were. So they need to find that. The White Sox are figuring out and saying, hey, maybe we're not going to hit, you know, 30 home runs each player. Maybe we need to move the guy over. Maybe our bullpen is where our strength is at. So I think that finding who, out who they are as a team and not listening to any other marketing, you know, any of like what the media is saying, what the fans are saying, really finding it out. I like that because Pedro's like, hey, you know what? Maybe I do have to butt. Maybe analytics tells us that bunning the guy on second is horrible for some teams. It might be the best thing that you can do because we're not the Yankees. You know, we're, we're not, a, we're not that team. So when you, when he knows his team a lot better, and again, he's going to get to know it a lot better. It's only been, it hasn't even been, you know, half a year. I really think that those things are going to start happening. And that's why I like the makeup of this, the burgers, the sheets, you know, the, those guys that might not fit the bill of like the swaggerness and what they wanted to kind of sell to the fans, but they kind of like doing their work and kind of doing their thing because they know who they are. You know, Berger's like, I know I'm bad defensively. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to strike out four times, but I will take you deep ones. So he knows who he is and we need more guys like that. Uh, real quick. I want to give a shout out to James Fegan. He had this article tonight in the athletic, or I guess earlier today after, after the game against the guardians, um, some great quotes from Kopech um, and some of the other guys on Griffol specifically. And like the, the, I guess, confidence Griffol has uh, instilled in the team of late, or even through that stretch in April and into May when they were really struggling. Uh, Kopech said, to have a manager that believes in what we believe in as a team, that believes in us the way that we believe in ourselves, it goes a long way. That is, to me, um, a really positive sign. Oh, Junior loves it, right? Oh, maybe we should bring out the family shirts again. Like that's oh. the and You know what, though? He didn't say it. He didn't say family. That, exactly, I love yeah. the fact that he just said, hey, because we don't know what he believes in. We don't know what, like, that's up to them. But he's not trying to just sell something a name or a brand. Who cares like, hey, as long as they're all on the same page? I don't correct. care what they believe in, right? Like as long as they're all on the same page, then, then we're good. This could be uh, like prove I, the White Sox fans wrong. Hey, Jerry, whatever it is, just don't have to sell it. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm great. I'm not grateful. I, I'm I'm glad to hear quotes like that and read quotes like that coming from the players um, that they you know there is some some level of buy-in and you know maybe this is kind of a little turning point portion of the season where you see a game that's won by small ball you see some really good pitching the bullpen starting to figure it out um Eloy Jimenez is about to or he is on a rehab assignment now and then Liam Hendricks it's only a matter of time before he's back like um okay I mean yeah I can see why why the the Kool-Aid is being drunk we're like the cold is this team better without Eloy I'm gonna throw that right out there right now Damn, I would rather. I'm being have... serious. I'm again. Okay. If Let you bring him back, not Liam. Liam is a guy who's going to come in the ninth, and he's going to make the Let bullpen me just better. Say this and... Right now, but if, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, we get this production from Clint Frazier going forward. Oh no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's you're going, you're going. OPS, like... By the way, wait, that's you're going way off. I'm just talking about chemistry. I'm talking about we we dealt with it with a brave. When Eloy comes in, it's. Does everybody turn to Eloy and say, you produce? You're the producing guy because we told you. Like, how does but he fit into this team? Baseball, he doesn't, they don't need him to – I mean, they still need the offense to get going. But if 
you're winning games, there's less pressure on him to come in and like. Oh, correct, you correct. Have so to left field. So left field, back to left field instead of DHing. What do you do with Benintendi? What did you put Berger at second? No. Wait, so are you guys saying that you're insinuating like Clint Frazier needs to be in the lineup? No, no, I'm just worried about where Berger's going to be. He needs to be in the outfield. And Sheets, Berger and Sheets, where, where are they going to be? Clint Frazier can come in like ninth, like seventh inning defensive sub. I'm just talking about offensively. So I know that they've they've dabbled with Berger taking grounders at second. It must have been so bad that they have yet to really give him a shot in the major leagues. Like it had to have been awful, right? Or like if his bat's that good, you find a way. You but you also have to find a way to get Aloy in the lineup. I think they need to figure out like again who's bat more Eloy important, left. Burger or Eloy? And that's both the question. DH. Correct, but you cannot have, and that's when you're looking at lineup construction. Okay, does he make the team better if they're all healthy? So everyone's like, he's coming back. He's that's great. Is it him in left field? And 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 Benatendi Benet- and, and, Benet- and right and Pantera like you can figure out what to do and like as long as Jake Berger is producing he needs to be in the lineup and Jake Berger is better at DH and then Eloy's better at left field than Berger's at second because one's played it in the big leagues the other one has yet to do it for some reason or the other so that's what we're talking about like when we're looking at moves and like chemistry and like the team and being realistic is like where does it fit and you can't plan to, oh, someone's going to be hurt all the time. Again, if you want to have your four. The White Sox, you can. Well, I'm just saying, like, maybe they are. And, again, that's depth. But There's no maybe anymore. It's, go- it's going yeah. to be very interesting when they all come back on playing time. And I know when Jake Berger, Jake Berger's on the bench, I bet Jake Berger is not complaining that he's on the bench. I'm going to go on a limb and say that Eloy Jimenez is going to be a little bit upset if he's not in the starting lineup on a couple of days in a row. Because the team is going to be better with him on not those days. I'm just going to go on a limb. I'm just going to go on a limb because I've seen players that complain. We can go back to the Nick Swisher. Ozzie Guillen and Nick Swisher's battle were not personal. Ozzie started having an issue with Nick Swisher, not based on performance. It was because he had an issue that Nick was not happy when he was on the bench and he would let everyone know it and it was toxic. That's the only reason. Because he couldn't handle being a guy. Well, he's an all-star. He wasn't at that again, but so that's the thing. So are you okay with being an all-star and being on the bench because it's making the team better for that day because you're trying to win as a team. That's what I'm saying though. It's a, it's a like, are are you, when you're trying to win more than just self goals and, and self trophies, and you're trying to win a championship, you have to let your manager have the best lineup that he needs that day to win. But so, the, the only fault in this argument is that, Eloy Jimenez is a part of the best lineup that the White Sox have. Correct. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter how hot Nick anybody Swisher is. Nick Swisher was too, OJ. <laughs> he was until he wasn't. And then again, and he kept playing. But again, when a manager's having those issues, I know that Griffol at night, okay, if they were all healthy, he's like, who is going to get the F button? Okay, who's who am I going to have upset? So I'm not talking about the team's not better. I'm just saying it becomes a bigger challenge when he comes in, which I guess you can say it's a good problem to have, but Griffol is going to have to be very, very clever in moving guys around and being able to give everybody enough playing time while having them still produce. That's all I'm saying. Like you can't send him back to the minor leagues. Like what for? And that's not even including Colas, which I don't think he's going to get called up anytime soon this year, unless something crazy happens. 
So it's going to be quite interesting when Eloy comes back on how, you know, on how he mixes it up, which again, it's a good problem, but it's going to be interesting. Do, isn't the easy solution just to put Berger at second? I, you know what, at this point at 20 and 30. Okay. And, and knowing that oh. we, it went so bad, why not do it? What are I you going to lose? What they really have to lose. Seventh inning, bring in a defensive replacement. Like you're not the greatest defensive team already. Okay. True. So, so if you were a team that was like, oh, if we are, we are so good defensively, that if we move our defense, it's we're going to lose games. Position that requires athleticism. I think you need it for the double play, but I don't think that Roberto Alomar in the. I think he could be Dan Ugla. All he's got to worry about is the double play, and to be honest, you get the double play, you get the out at second. You know, you try to figure it out because his bat is so good, but you have no one else that can produce even close as him. And the guys that are there defensively, it's not like you're having a guy that's like, oh my God, this guy's glove is so amazing that he's saving, you know, four runs per game. They might, I don't see why not give it a shot. And let's see how bad it is. We've seen other worse, trust me, we saw Vaughn in the outfield. We get to see Sheets in the outfield. We've seen crazier things. And I think that White Sox fans can handle of like, hey, why not have Berger there? I can't handle Jake Berger a sec. And then you have Rami having himself a series in Cleveland. So no. <laughs> or you move Moncada to, to but, second. I mean, but that's not gonna happen. Track record is that he's not a major league hitter. Like, I'm sorry. Okay, great. Thank you for your contributions the last Rami's on the Savala boat. Okay. Right. I mean, like, yeah. He's not if a Rami major goes league off hitter. though. If Rami goes off. Yeah, it's called two weeks. Guys go off for two weeks and that okay. it happens. Well, but so I'm did. just saying though, like to so, so Romy Gonzalez every day at second. That was their plan from the beginning, and then it backfired, and they had to go and figure out because something. Because he's not because, a major league hitter. Because he's not a big, you know, you don't think that Elvis Andrews, the late Elvis Andrews acquisition, happened because they saw that Romy couldn't do the job, or Sosa. These were like, oh, we're just gonna go spend this money on an old Venezuelan shortstop because everyone else that we have is really good. No, they were like, oh my god, we need help, and they went to go get Elvis Andrews. Man, and be honest. Do, you don't think, depressing. by the way, you don't think GMs see that or general or front office people when they started spring no, training? No, you're telling like, the truth. You're oh my god, we 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 have a we have truth. a hole, we have a hole that we need to go get a veteran guy. First it was Harrison, and then Harrison got signed, and then Elvis was available. And they said, I think that we need a backup plan because these guys that we have at second are not cutting it. I'm well, just Elvis, saying, Elvis came in because TA got hurt. I just, I just. Well, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the the year after. For like, this I'm talking year. To, yeah, for this year, for this year, yeah, for this year. Like it could have been anybody. John, like, I you just... think Romy's an everyday player? Okay, no. then. then I'm saying what does you're, it matter? You're, you're just gonna keep getting headaches because you got guys going cold and guys coming hot, so he's got to keep mixing it. Mixing well, that's it on the general manager. He should probably put together a better roster. I mean, oh. that's but try Berger at second. What happened if they hit gold? What happened if this guy could technically play second? Like Dan Ugla is the perfect comparison. He is the perfect. Dan Ugla was a better athlete than Jake Berger. So then are we going to get, are we gonna get Berger better? Jake Berger is underrated I athleticism. I, I, I want to go on a limb. Job, but come on, let's just be honest. I'm going to go on a limb on that one. I, I don't, again, I've never seen him take ground balls at second, so I can't say, but the way that he moves, I think that, I don't know who he's working with. I, I think he completed double play, and he's more. Dude, Dan Ugla played second to a point where he couldn't even move, and he was, again, you're not going to get Roberto Alomar. You're gonna get a guy that's gonna make the simple plays. Okay, dead power. Play, right yeah, you play more carried right over now. for the double play. Dead power okay. has some sprint speed. All right. And here's the other thing: when you're doing this shift situation, we know already analytically wise that you want guys to go opposite field 
because that means they're not swinging for left field. So the pitching staff is going to be happy that this guy's going to come up and be like, oh, let me put it in through the hole. Instead of trying to swing one, you know, if that's, you know, they're going to take advantage of the hole between first and second because, you know, Berger's there. That's the reality of it. I think that they have nothing to lose, okay, in putting him there. If they were 30 and 20 and then they were leading the division and then they were like winning it and everything was perfect, you say, you know what, you figure it out. But this is a moment to experiment. Again, if Jake Berger fixes that second base problem, next season you have a second baseman. Yep. Okay. Because Moncada is not, I don't care what anyone is dreaming of, unless they eat that money, he's not going to be traded. I've seen all these scenarios of trades and this guy's going here. Moving $20 million is not that easy. Would you, would you try messing around with Moncada at second, Burger at third? I don't, they don't want to hurt people's feelings. And third base is way, if they hit it to third, Moncada at third will save you more runs than Burger at, at third and Moncada at second. You'll look, about, you'll look. You'll look. No, 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 no. Them no. taking, the them taking. Hold up. Them taking the work. shift out of play makes it a lot more harder at second. Moncada's gonna look great everywhere where he goes in again. But he didn't. He wasn't that great at second base to begin with. He's gonna so look great, second, but he won't necessarily play great. Yeah. He won't be happy either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We, last week, last week we talked about the White Sox signing Chapman to a play third and moving Mankata to second base. Okay, just put that pipe dream away. By the way, that's Ch- that, by the way that you're bringing Chapman. That's like when A Rod went right. to the Yankees and but you have and, to and you have to third. see if Mankata can play second base if that is what you want to do. You've seen it already, and he can. And it wasn't pretty. Right. I agree with so. you there. Yeah. Okay, but with Berger, if Williams Astudio can play 16 major league games at second base and 58 at third base, I think you can but, get Berger. But hold on, we're not gonna sit here and say Astudio is not a good athlete. He's just fat. He's so a maybe, great athlete. Maybe Berger, and Jake Berger is not a bad athlete. He's not yeah. unathletic. Uh, by the way, here's the thing: it's not it doesn't have to be every day. It just gives him the opportunity, opportunity to get the Nikola Jokic to, to, discussion going because he's a big white guy, right? He can't possibly be athletic. Jokic has a jumper though. By the way, and Jake Berger's got a bat. By the way, his first to third, okay, and again, we're going to talk about the joke. When, 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 no, Berger, when, when you see guys that are really big, okay, they're either going to be like, oh, I know that guy's slow, the Grandals, the Canercos, you know, you just see them and like they're just, they do certain things and you're like, I wouldn't pick them for my pickup basketball game, okay? Uh, like a Rita Sabonis, a center back in the day for Portland, like just some big dude that's just like a, a big clunk. But when you see a guy like the Joker, okay, a like lie. A, I'm just saying that when you look at him move the way that he moves, the guy's dancing on the court like he's 4-2. Berger, when you see him running the bases, he doesn't look like a guy with that weight. I'm a big guy, dude. The way that he moves, he does not move like a guy the way that he looks. He moves very light on his feet, so he is not a heavy set guy. Where you say, oh, this guy's just got like heavy set of feet. For some reason, he moves way better than for what his size is. And that's when you look, and that's why everybody I think is obsessed with the Joker, because he's amazing. But you got this humongous dude that is moving around like he's 4'2. He runs and like a gazelle. He runs like a gazelle, moves his body's horrible. You know, the guy's not ripped. He's the opposite of Otani. You know, he's just like there. But then he's his first step is better than anyone else's first step who's in shape. So he's like, he deceives you. And I think that's what makes it fun of like, you're rooting for that guy because you're, you're at home sitting there and you're like, because he's Serbian. 
this guy's in the, this guy's in the NBA. <laughs> I'm saying if this guy's in the NBA, I'm like, damn, like anybody can be in the NBA. Like this is, you can relate. And that's why I think fans really root for it. That's right. I, I watch them because I'm like, this is awesome. I, I love, I started watching more NBA games because of guys like him coming into the league, especially him because he does everything fundamentally sound. He's a grinder and he does not look like he belongs in an NBA court. Not even because he's a white dude. Okay, let's take that part out. Just because he looks like he just literally came off a nine to five shift from driving his truck. And he was like, oh, let me just go play some pickup basketball and destroy you. Let me tell you something. Like, Jake Berger is Matt Davidson all over. Nobody wants to say it, but that's what it is. And we shouldn't be shuffling the team around just to keep Jake Berger. You're saying Jake Berger's Matt Davidson right now. Yep. So you're saying that in two years... By the way, so you're saying in two years he's off, he's he's gone from the team, maybe. And in Japan, taking Trevor Bauer deep, or Korea. Well, some where he has bionic Achilles, he's fine. Like that's that's where the sprint speed is coming from. His Achilles are like. And by the way, he's moving that well. By the way, he's moving that well after that surgery. I seen Dewan Blair dunk a ball with no ACL. I'm just saying though, it's just. And how did that work in the NBA? He won a championship with the Spurs. He didn't win Nikes. I just think that he's not as unathletic as he as he looks. But again, I think that guys like Jake Berger, we we associate with them a lot better, like the Joker, because we're like this guy. It does not have the ability that other great players have. It's like the Messi in soccer, that everyone the guy's a tiny little dude, you know, does not look like anything special compared to other players. But he's doing so much with what he was given that you're like, this is amazing. And I think. That's why you root for them, and that's why you become fans of them because you can relate to them. Uh, to our our guest talking smack about Jokic, ask DeAndre Ayton and ask Antonio or uh, Anthony Davis if Jokic doesn't run like a gazelle because you're, you're wrong on that. Trust me, he was sprinting up and down the court. Every center that they play, they always talk about he looks like he can't run at all, like a bag of milk running down the court. But he's beating everybody to the bucket. A bag of milk. Time. A bag of milk. That's what that <laughs> man looks like. There is zero muscle definition in his entire body and soul. I don't think I've heard a human. By the way, LeBron's the probably at home talking about with his friends. We just got beat by him. He's a guy that you get on the court and you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. It's oh wow, we just got beat. We just got beat by the joke. It just happens. Okay. And again, there's guys that are like that. A lot, there's a lot more guys like that in baseball than there are in, in other sports. Because, um, again, baseball, you can get away with it. But I really think that athletic-wise, I'm not concerned about the, the decision factor, why he's not playing second might be something completely different. I don't think it's because he's unathletic. Um, that's just my take. I think that he's just as athletic as Dan Agua. But I just don't know why they haven't tried it yet. Like, just just try it. Andrew Vaughn played the outfield. Andrew Vaughn played the outfield for multiple years. And you've seen we reconstructed the team to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, but you're not – you're in a situation right now where it's not spring training and you need to figure out a way to win and fit these guys in the lineup. Again, he's not going to go out there every single day at second, but if you can mix it up and get him and add that position at at second, then he won't have to, like, take somebody else's spot. So it's just another place where he can go in and, and support. If Jake right, Berger is so two. nimble, why we haven't tried him in the outfield? Well, he's got 
bionic Achilles. It's not a good idea to have him running around a ton. Um, and also, like, maybe we should – I think we've learned our lesson. Like, let's not put corner infielders in the outfield ever. I think he might be running better than Sheets in right field, though. I would agree with you there. He is yeah. more athletic than Sheets. Yes, I would rather is. have Jake Berger in right field. I'm just saying, but he's, again, talking about athleticism. But he, he looks, but the, looks more but athletic. But the analytics would say that's not a good idea. <laughs> rather have Sheets out there than Berger, probably. Let's just not put non outfielders <laughs> in the outfield. Yeah. And let's just not or put... second base. So are you saying are you saying a call up Colos then? Put Colos back. back it's right the first baseman playing right field with Colos. No, I mean <laughs> whatever. I'm done with this. I, I just move on. Move on. Go ahead. All right, what's your final thought, Junior? No, no, no. I was just gonna say, like, I, I think that when you're looking at guys playing out of position. I think that people think that you move that much more in second base than you do in the outfield, and you really don't. Or Clint Frazier goes off, and he, he just takes Dude, right field. Chris wants Clint <laughs> Frazier to be so good. It is so – yeah, so I, I want it because then we can say the Yankees fucked up. They didn't give him a shot. He does play fun, but you want him to work out so bad. By the way, his starting lineup next year has both Romy and Clint Frazier starting in the lineup. Bet oh, two yeah, and three. two and three. Yeah. What? Says better than Benton Tendi right now, betting three. I mean he's hitting yeah, his OPS is like six fifty, but he's hitting like no two seventy. Yeah. Um all right, so seven and two in their last nine. Um let's take a look at Southside Daily and the upcoming schedule. <laughs> chat this is Southside daily the white Sox take a flight to detroit and giolito takes the mound tomorrow versus fiedo friday lance lynn goes off against wince saturday has been undecided but they're probably going to go again with the lambert um and shortens is it bullpen shortens yeah, that's a bold what a guy. Team. How had how many of you guys heard of Jesse Schultens before, like late February? I've been seeing nope. him on the nothing in April and the minors, but yeah, that's about it. As you were, um, Lorenzo he faces off against, or sorry, Lorenzen, and then um, it's going to be a duo on Sunday. You're going to have Dylan Cease versus one of their pricey lefties that they got from Jay's Boston and Eduardo Rodriguez, who, uh, Isaac, don't shake your head. You should go look up the stats because he's up there right now. I mean, he's, he's coming back down really he's well. Back he, down. He, he is, Very by the way, well. and, and, and that's why I'm shaking my head because in no way, <laughs> shape, or form, I ever thought Eduardo Rodriguez was going to be pitching this well. But mind you, he's Venezuelan. So I know the guy very well, like meaning – and I, I'm going to be honest with this Tigers team. I have no clue. Okay, how they are playing the way that they are. Okay, because when I look at this staff, if anyone that the White Sox should put a whooping on is the Tigers. Okay, again, they're playing amazingly, but when I look at this team, I don't get it. I'm like, 
wow, credit to them. But they should not be playing this well. Yeah. And hopefully the Sox can remind them that of this week, which is a big series, again, against a division rival who is above them in the division. But I still don't see how this team is playing this well. I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, one of their rookies is hot right now, Riley Green, which I know Justin's a big fan of. Riley is batting 291 average with a 352 OBP and a 434 slugging percentage. That guy's hot. Um, situa- situational baseball with him. Um, but yeah, that's it for Detroit. I think they're going to take three or four in Detroit. And then they come back home for, uh, Monday, Tuesday versus the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And uh, these projected starters, I think they're going to mix it up. I don't think they're going to go with what's scheduled right now. I think originally it's supposed to be Berea versus Kopech on Monday, but I think they're going to switch it for Otani and Kopech on Monday. And then Gio. Why do you say that? I just feel like with how they're going to line it up. I mean, you could throw Berea versus Kopech, but I know on the broadcast today I heard them talking about Otani possibly being switched around. So I'm kind of leaning towards what they were talking about on the broadcast as well with the matchup of uh, Kopech. I think they want to have a better matchup with him to go with Otani so that you can throw Berea on Tuesday versus Gio because otherwise it was supposed to be Canning on Tuesday yeah, versus Gio. So I don't – yeah, I think – Matchup wise, you'd be it'd be more competitive doing Kopech versus Otani than and Geo versus Berea than the other way around with how they have it originally lined up. So, if that's the case, I see sucks going into that before, or I think next show we'll talk about the ending of that series. But uh, I, I see him split, splitting the first two games, and uh, Otani is betting 281 average, average with 11 home runs and 32 ribbies. Guys, a two-way player, phenomenon, phenomenon guy right now in the MLB, say the, to say the least. The Tiger, I'm looking at the Tigers roster and like their stats right now. Riley Green is their only hitter with an OPS over 700. And um, he started off slow as hell, and he's a K machine. And Eduardo Rodriguez is their only starting pitcher with an ERA – below four lorenzen's 408 fiedo 460 but he's only made three starts i mean joey wentz too got roughed up his last album yeah. too i'm just happy that he's casey Mize... seven four five era joey once does mm-hmm. i was kind of hoping to see casey Mize just because i like to watch the pitchers and that's a young arm in detroit i'd like to see square up against us but uh yeah well, he, he's had it. some really good outings against the white sox um, mm-hmm. the last few seasons, but mm-hmm. the Tigers suck like on paper, but yeah. so do the White Sox kind of. So, I mean, go take care of business, but this is what we talked about at the beginning of the show. You got to win in your division. And with the division as terrible as it is, the freaking Detroit Tigers are in second place. Is Spen- is it too early to call Spencer Torkelson a bust? He's only 23. No, so yeah, no, too early, too early. But I'll tell you this, Miguel will go deep. Miguel probably hits his first home run off the White Sox. Is Jolito playing in this game, in this series? On, He's man. What is this? First uh, game, first game. Oh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to bet I'm going to. I'm gonna bet that one that Miggy probably might take him deep. 
for wanna, this first wanna, home run of the I'll year. I just want to say this uh, in regards to the White Sox. You do not want to have the halos roll into the rape and you are down bad against Detroit and you got to bring those vibes back home because you will absolutely get cream pie Monday and Tuesday. So Anaheim actually is, I, I'm a little worried. I'm not, you might have to roll the tape back? Yeah. Okay. So, so oh, Anaheim. Man. You definitely so An- just said cream pie. Yeah, cream pie. <laughs> so Anaheim is actually playing really well. Uh, they're above 500. They're actually playing better than every anyone you know thinks the way that Anaheim usually plays. So I think that the White Sox need this series in in Detroit minimum of three games out of four because when they come to when they play the Angels, it could go. It's not going to be an easy. You know, we're going to get a win. We're at home. It's going to be a battle. Even even with their pitching staff doing great, Anaheim can hit a little bit better. So they they need to go out and, and dominate Detroit completely because that mm-hmm. first those first couple of games against Anaheim ain't going to be easy. So, Junior, you got six games, four in Detroit and two at home versus Angels for this week's preview. Um, last week, I got to give credit here because Junior said they were going three and three. And I said they were going five and one. They end up going four and two right in the middle. So, uh, what, why are you laughing at, Slav? Jesus. Cream pie. Are you still the cream pie? (laughs) He said in the private chat, what's wrong with cream pie? (laughs) So this week, I'm thinking four and two. What do you guys, I think they're going to repeat that four and two. What do you guys think? (laughs) I think, I think probably three and three, to be honest, because we, we aren't as good as we've been playing. Let's just be real. Uh, I think we get back to earth a little bit. I, I honestly see us dropping two of those games against Detroit. Ooh, man, a Mr. Positive, Mr. Drink the Kool-Aid is, is going that route. I, I think that this is Pedro Grifols month. Okay. He's his, this is the month where they, where they dominate. Um, but even with them splitting the series still will give them a great record in the month of May. Uh, so if they split, you know they'll be they'll be solid if if if, if the Chicago White Sox come. I'm gonna be honest right here. If the Chicago White Sox come out and they sweep to the Detroit Tigers. Okay, in this series, well, the White Sox are not going to be sellers and they're going to go all in because that means that they are going to be leading the division very very close. Because when you look at it, they would probably become the second place. So it's team gonna be more Kool Aid. But Junior, don't you correct. want them? Don't you want them to be buyers though? Because I don't. I, we. I believe we don't believe in this front office to be sellers to get the right value back. So do you want them to be buyers? Uh, I think they can be situation? buyers. They can well, do whatever. You try to figure out if they're going to win or not. But I'm saying like if they if they if they have a series against Detroit and they sweep them, they take second place. So they're going to be in second place regardless in the division. So it's going to be a big telling series. But I think I got them at three and three just because. This is a 500 team and has been for a long time. So I, I until they prove me otherwise, more than two weeks, that's what I'm still going to call them. Gonza, you you think so? You don't have faith in the front office to sell players, but you have faith in them to buy players and give up the few assets that they currently have. I trust them to buy more so than sell to what get the has, value what, back. That's worth it because I don't. I don't have faith in making the right moves 
for well, selling. But, so, but I'm saying that so get, when you well, buy people, setting yourself up right for because to this point we haven't seen them build around their core. So, so a question: What, what they bought? Who have they bought? That's a good move. That they bought. Or yeah, trade so when you, for. I'm saying that when you're at when you trade for or buy or when you acquire. You acquired Lance Lynn. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. Look at Dane Dunning. Is how bad is Dane yeah, Dunning doing? Me, there's no difference. Like, oh, I don't have faith. Dane in Dunning's only a month. I'm the right value. Hold up, hold up. Dane Dunning, you made that. You made that in 19. So. So, so what's Dane? A question. What's Dane Dunning done? Three. What's right. Ding Dunning numbers? Can we can we look Lance up Ding Dunning being in the Cy Young voting? Can 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 we look up Ding Dunning's numbers and age, please, and price? This is Lynn's third year. And they him. also moved Dane Dunning to the bullpen. Okay. Let's look up money and so. price. So 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 you, so the Lansland acquisition is a win. I I, I agree with Gonzo on that. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. So then okay. So you're saying that you trust them on them getting a player so if they're going to add I don't trust it. them at all i don't but what, i didn't know but if you're going to be a like, buyer or a seller sell. if you're going to be a buyer or seller i would have more faith in them getting at least a piece or so than them trading away let's say ta and getting some value back that would be worth it for the long run so you're saying you're you're you're, you're, tra you're trust them more experienced players mlb ready than future pieces that they have to develop Yes, I would agree the with that. Not because you're of buying, you're giving up the few young assets that yeah. they actually have in the organization, right? No, now. Slacko, no. Have you seen all these people's no. trades? They're they're like Tim Anderson's bringing back nine prospects, and and this. No, guy's no, no. no. I'm, saying, I'm saying if they're buyers, like okay, like if they're already fairly thin, so what are you buying, and why do you have any faith in them to get that right? Because if Okay, let's say they make some Kimbrel type trade. I'm not saying, you know, Madrigal and Hoyer, you know, are the equivalent, but like let's say they go for it, and they fuck it up, they don't win the division, they don't make the playoffs, Rick Hahn gets fired. What did that accomplish? You've you've bought and you've gotten rid of assets and you still did nothing. Do you understand my point? Like yeah. there's no faith one way or the other that's what I was saying though. Like I have more faith in either buying or selling. I have more faith in them buying than selling. But that makes my point is that makes zero sense because if you're buying, you're They're still really ultimately selling. not going to like, what are you getting? Who are you landing? That's going to make this like an actual team. Well, if you're buying, you're trying to go standard. after your needs, which I guess what you're saying is they haven't done my that. My point is you have years, to give up something but... to get something. So if you are yeah. giving up some of these future assets, the few that they have, and you still fuck it up, that's worse than not getting good value in Tim Anderson. I don't think it's worse, depending on what you're valuing in your prospects. Like, for example, worse? for example, they have high praise for Montgomery, but I don't see that praise. Okay. But if you can get if you can trade that asset, it's kind of similar to the Vaughn situation. What you've traded Vaughn for these assets that A's weren't giving up in Murphy or It was gosh, Frankie whoever. Montas. They wanted Vaughn for Montas. It was Montas, but then that transitioned to Murphy. So okay, what's your point? If you trade Tim Anderson, what, it's what I'm saying is Murphy can you get, get you because you're blowing it all up anyway. You might be able to get solid value for Montgomery. If you're trying to get a player and asset, but back. then 
you, my point is you trade Colson Montgomery. Okay. You mm-hmm. may not be high on him. Many, many scouts around baseball are you trade Colson Montgomery. You get something that you think is going to help you win. You don't win this year. Now you don't have that player. You don't have Colson Montgomery and you still need to shit can your front office. That's way worse than not getting a good return for Giolito or Tim Anderson. Colson Montgomery becomes the new Fernando Tatis. <laughs> That's what happened. But I don't see that happening here. See what happening? Us developing Montgomery, or even the fact of him blowing up. I have more value in other players than I do Montgomery. And there's other scouts aren't that you, believe that too. Aren't you like the number one Andrew Vaughn fan that exists? Yeah. I'm okay, that was a White Sox draft pick that they've developed into what he is. One of very few. Okay, so what's the difference? You just think Andrew Vaughn's way better than Colson Montgomery. No, I'm saying... Okay, Colson Montgomery aside, my point remains, trading Tim Anderson or Giolito and getting a shitty return for someone you're probably going to let walk anyway is so much better than going for it when no, you should but I not. don't see... I just don't see Han do, like being able to pull that off. Trading, being sellers to trade away like TA or any yeah, other high value. No, like he should not be if, if, if Jerry or Again, I think Kenny there's know a tr- Rick Han is not going do... to be the guy next year, then there is 0%. You cannot give him the reins at the trade deadline. You no. can't. No, you cannot. No, but that's because... why I had said I'd rather be buyers than sellers. If if he, if they're staying is, here, it's worse. If you know, like Giolito's gone, Tim Anderson is going to leave. It's way yeah. worse to make. I just I don't understand your point. I I don't understand how you'd much rather be a buyer than than the alternative. I think they're going to be a buyer regardless. So if they're you, we just said this earlier. They're going to be competing in a terrible division. They're going to be close. They're going to be buyers but, but anyways. But they, they don't have anything to mortgage in their system. Yeah, so what are you buying them, with? Them over the, over yeah, so what are you buying? So I have a question. What are, you, what are you buying with? No, I, there is value in the organization. You can see it on – go look up baseballtradevalue.com. There's lots of value there to make deals. Is that I just a real did thing? It. I just did, yes. Look it up. I just did it earlier. Okay. And Ozzy can attest that I texted him deals he that I oh, I got to go to Slavko is the best podcaster.com to oh, tell oh, me. Again, this is trade value is something this that's is a like real fantasy. Website, it is. It is a no, real, it website, is but a it, real but, website. But, but do I, by the way, do I think general managers use this? Probably not. Okay. They do. They do. Well, fuck. Whatever. If, there's a, if, there's a, if there's a general manager using a fucking thing, sorry for my language. Called trade value that looks no, like they're trading fantasy players. The founder of this not, site that should was not be on, a general manager. Should not be a general manager. The founder of this site was on the MLB Network, attesting to his information with how accurately they're able to put together these deals. Are really close to the value that this website has. They've attested to it. So yeah, you could be buyers or sellers, but I just believe in the buying aspect if you're this close if you feel you're this close do they use this for the deekman trade did they use this one for the deekman trade couldn't tell they, they, they use okay i'm just saying i don't know what Han does again when you're looking at values every fan okay 
believes that they have the greatest farm system of all the farm systems. They all do. They got podcasts about it. No one's ever scouted these guys. No one's ever seen them play. It's just NBC putting highlights up. They look at numbers. They look at, you know, exit velocity on balls. They see like three games in spring training and they think they know everything on it. Of course, there's going to be a high ranking. Every organization has a one, a number one, a number two, a number three, a number four, a number five. Depending on what organization you're in, pretty much depends on what level of prospect you are. So what are you going to give up to buy something that is of value is the question. Um, everything that you can serve up to buy is already in the big league team. Because if Colson Montgomery was great, okay, and you don't have a second baseman, they're like, hmm, maybe he, they would try him at second base if the kid could hit and then eventually move him. If you're good enough to be good enough, you're in the big league team, okay? So Oscar Colas right now, the value that he had is probably pretty much cut in half right now until he comes back and be able to prove it. Because uh, everybody's a, like perfect, looking at a perfect example of that, look at what the Reds did this past week. They called up Matt McClain, and they moved up, moved uh, Jose Barrero to fucking center field just so yeah. they could put Matt McClain in the lineup because because he can diamond. because he is ready to play MLB. So when we're talking about mortgaging something, who are we going to give? Who are the White Sox going to give up? That's going to bring something as adding some value that's not in the big league team already. That's kind of sick if you think about it. Because if Colson Montgomery was to your point, OJ, like Colson Montgomery can't keep Jake Berger from getting reps at second base apparently. I mean, and we're trying to sit him in the microwave, but what are we, we're developing him into what? What, what is going to be around Colson Montgomery when he makes it to the big leagues? Like, that that could be a scary sight all within itself. I'm just going through the White Sox roster on this website right now, and I'm trying to figure out where the fuck all this value is that Gonzo's talking about. So the, the value... You could trade Paco Martin for something. The value depends on performance and contract. Oh, thank you. I needed a website to tell me this. Yeah. So, wow. But it differentiates. <laughs> Wait, let me, okay, put it this way. Uh, C's has more value than Moncada. Okay, guess who has the highest value of every single per person in the White Sox organization? Probably T.A. up there. Luis no. Robert. Robert? It's Robert 1, Colson Montgomery 2. Cease is actually up there. Okay, you move C's. You're oh, not yeah, winning. Sorry. The yeah, division. I see. Cease. Okay, is... you move C's. You're not winning the division. Cease is one. Robert is two. Montgomery is three. If you move C's, you're not, winning, you're not winning a lot of things. You're not winning a lot of things. You're, you're Montgomery's back value is double Andrew Vaughn's. Just if we're going off of this website. By the way, which means you're smoking crack because the guys never played a game in the big leagues. And uh, Andrew Vaughn anyway, yeah. has played in the big uh, leagues and has produced. So again. So this, I'm this, just saying, Gonzo, like the I'm value. Just, hold up, hold I can't up. Believe you said that. You know, who also yeah, had no, high value. No, by the way, no, by no, way, you, slide, by you're, by you're just basing it off of looks. But go back to the last trade deadline. Look at all the acquisitions no, 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 were made. The, look no, at the trade value. Side, look at the value of the packages, and they're very accurate. I don't accurate care about the value. It doesn't matter. My point is, trading any assets for a team that is not going to compete, regardless, and then you're going to fire your general manager after that is so much worse than just letting T.A. or Giolito walk. Correct. That's my point. I agree with that. but They're both shitty. No. This one's just shittier. No, personally, I like I want them to be sellers, personally. 
I just don't think they will be. Here's the other part. You know who also had high value? Tyler Flowers and Brent Lillibridge. They came to the White Sox as a future starting shortstop and the future starting catcher. Brent Lillibridge was a good player for us. But not, not how they sold him. He was supposed to be the starting shortstop and the starting catcher for a championship team of the future. Yeah, Atlanta took that one and kind of, you know, ran with that one. So prospects, you have to, number one, land the right one and then develop them. Okay? So land them and develop. If they buy, okay, if if Jerry and Kenny do not think that Rick Hahn is going to be here next year, they should make no moves. Agree on nothing. Just sit, go go to go to Great America during the trade deadline. Take your kids there, hang out with the family. Okay. If they think that Rick Hahn is going to be here for multiple years, meaning more than two years, and he's gonna get an extension. And he's going to be part of the rebuild, you know, 3.0, whatever they're going to call it. Then you let him make moves. But you do not make moves to then not win, to then have somebody come in to a complete disaster with no assets and nothing. Because unless Jerry's going to give him like $500 million, which is not going to happen, right. it doesn't matter who the, ne- the next GM is, they're set back three, four years. And now, oh, guess what? You might become the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Reds. Of, of the American League. So that's where the danger is of right now, not only are you competing for the division, but you're competing for the future of the Chicago White Sox for multiple years. Like right now, they're in the cusp of like, we're going to stay competitive and relevant, meaning like we're in the mix of things or we go and become the Baltimore Orioles where it took them, they haven't won at a winning season in what, 15 years? And then was, they became finally 500. The Pirates didn't have a winning season, haven't had one in 20 years. Like that can happen if you put yourself in the wrong situation of making moves just for the sake of making moves and not winning. And the Sox have gotten lucky because they've done that twice already where they've made huge moves and have gone nowhere. They failed in September. They did it with, they did it with Ozzy. Okay. Where they moved a lot of key pieces to try to go for it in the end of Ozzy's tenured. And they did it with Robin. Okay. They sort of did it in between like the Ricky. And so like they, they do it one more time. I don't know if they can survive that. I really don't. I think it would be a disaster. Like people think that the Moncada trade was bad with sale. It could be worse. The fact that they signed him afterwards is a different story, but your trades can go really, really bad. Go ask the Marlins about the, the trade with the Tigers. Oof. They got five players. One guy made it to the big leagues. Names was Mike Jacobs played for one year. Like it could go really, really bad for you. It could go great, but it could go really, really bad, especially when you're not known as an organization that can develop guys. So, so bringing in a guy that's like a prospect that catcher and, you know, from the Dodgers or the next amazing shortstop, you're taking a huge risk in moving guys that are known, like known talents, especially if you're trying to win in this window. That's the hard part. If you're saying you're going to win in five, six years, it's a different story. But if you're trying to compete in the next two, three years, moving guys at that level, guys like Andrew Vaughn, trust me today, Andrew Vaughn, has more value today in a big league team than Colson Montgomery does. Because if he did have value, he'd be in a big league uniform, especially in the White Sox when he's an infielder. And we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. All right, Gonzo, take it away. Let's make some bets. Go ahead. Which bets? Gonzo, Gonzo. No, we got, we, that's a part of the, the pick segment. 
Oh, he wants to see the animation. to click and our bet segment as well oh man so two for one for those of you counting at home it's a two for one special um junior what we got for uh bets for tomorrow's game with uh i know you you were just saying you wanted to see miguel cabrera take giolito you know i'm gonna bet it i'm gonna bet it because i know (laughs) how how did you do last week junior uh mlb wise (laughs) i did great so i've been betting okay no, no, I've been betting. So you didn't uh, get cream pie or anything. No, I didn't get cream pie. Um, so I've been, I've been playing action on on the White Sox uh, live betting, which has been great. Uh, the strikeout ratios for the White Sox pitching is they've hit it like seven days in a row uh, on the overs on strikeouts, um, which has been great. And then obviously in the money lines again, they've been playing great. Uh, but also in the hits, multiple hits. And when you live bet it, uh, getting guys out. So since obviously the algorithms of the books had the White Sox struggling, guys are coming up to hit, and it's like plus 400 for a strikeout, plus 120 for the guy to get out. And since they're playing hot and the books are not caught up to it, we'll see how this week goes. Uh, but the numbers are really high on like guys getting themselves out, like you know, literally coming up. So huge success with that. Um, but uh, no run first inning which the White Sox have been great at it because, again, the pitching has been great. So taking the White Sox for, like, no runs to be allowed. And then this week, though, even though, again, I don't usually bet that someone's going to take the White Sox deep, I like the Miguel Cabrera because he has not hit a home run, okay, uh, all year long. And if he's going to have one, I could see it being against the White Sox. He loves hitting against the White Sox. Loves it. And he Did loves hitting against the changeup. And he loves hitting against Giolito. Loves it. And I know that he will be trying to take Giolito. Um, you know, like when you go up to, uh, you ever seen the movie, um, uh, what's it called, Waterboy? And there's like the little baby. Like I think when Miguel comes to hit, that's what he sees in Giolito. He loves hitting against him. So that, that would be a bet. But no, I'm, I'm going to take the, the over on the strikeouts uh, on, the, on the starting staff, uh, especially get a team like Detroit. They're huge swing and miss guys. Um, they rarely, you know, when they put the ball in play, they're usually getting hits, but they're going to be striking out a lot. So taking the the ups on on strikeouts and and looking to bet the unders, uh, live betting, uh, great odds. Again, the White Sox bullpen was shit in the beginning of the year. So anytime there's a lead, the sports books think that they will blow it <laughs> with Joe Kelly and now Crochet in the, in the pen coming in and the pitchers going a little bit longer. The White Sox have been able to hold the lead uh, and keep those unders going. So that's uh, just, I'll, I'll be posting about them live. And the Sox are favorites tomorrow with a over under at eight and a half. Yeah. So that's not too bad of a Who's shot. Going for Detroit? Is it Fiedo. Fiedo. Oh, I'll, take the, uh, I'll take the under because it'll, yeah. be it'll be that game where he tosses six scoreless against us. And again, it's not again the White Sox could probably win five nothing. They've been able to do that. They've been able to hold the leads. These games that we saw earlier in the year where they scored 
eight and then the other team then the other team would come back and score eight and it was like a battle of offenses the yeah. pitching has been able to hold off again i think tuesday can't... tuesday has been the winning formula for me junior like the four to two games where you you get the quality start you get some productive outs you get a clean slate for your bullpen i think yeah. that's where i want pedro to sit as a manager keep and pedro wants that though pedro I, I think pedro should area. want that pedro should want that um again pedro's not betting on the games uh, as like we are, but Pedro wants back. and pay <laughs> hope not. And, pay, and Pedro <laughs> and, and Pedro, by the way, now maybe, maybe that's why he's going to to his setup man up five runs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe you know, again, that's when you get guys like Crochet back and you get a guy like Joe Kelly, like I'm not an expert in managing, but trust when you if you got guys in the pen that you know are going to be able to get the job done, you're able to kind of pull that trigger and be more confident your starter not having to figure out those last two outs of usually that one start when you are scared and petrified because your bullpen sucks and you're like, I do not want to go to my pen because we are horrible. It affects the way that you make decisions and you, it tends to affect the way managers either do it too early or do it too late and kind of mess it around. When your bullpen is set, managers tend to be better because the moves that they make are actually going to work and guys are going to get themselves out. So I think right now today, Going into this week is the best bullpen the Sox have had all year going into a series uh, where where uh, they're, they're super solid. So I like that on eight and a half under for sure uh, tomorrow's game. All right. Gonzo is going to come back and then give us the updated picks to click. Am I still winning? You are not winning. OJ won this week. Wow. They won with Grandal. What's the standing? It is uh, OJ has two wins now, so the standings are Slavko three. So I'm three. still winning. <laughs> Just not this week. Slav goes up with three wins on the season. Me and OJ are tied at two, and Jay has one. So, so Jay is the White Sox. Can Jay win this division? And Jay bounce I back. It's a terrible division, so maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You people are probably screwed this week. What do you mean, you people? You yeah. people. You people that got more wins than me. <laughs> He's going to cream right. pie us. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you took that one one step too far. So I can't pick Rondal, and we can't pick who? Don't, don't slide it past Jay. He might do it. Uh, we can't pick Rondal. Grandal's off the board. Um, the order is going to go pick, Junior. Yeah, that's a good pick. Junior, Justin, Slav, and then myself picking last. Wow. I wanted to be wild and <laughs> go with Romy just to be like, if I won with him, it'd have to be like two weeks that I won in a row. Um, but you know what? I am going to go with, uh, mm, I like the Gavin Sheets. Matchup. Right. Oh, I'm gonna go with Gavin Sheets. Sheets. What was that? Uh, Slav? Or no, Pantera, sorry, Jay's It's a good pick, Sheets. I wanted Pantera, but he already went. He already, you know, he who knows how many games he's gonna play. He's already saying he's got to source something. So Jay, who you got? I'm going with the best right fielder in franchise history outside of Mags, Clint Frazier. I like that Clint Frazier versus Joey Wentz matchup, and I think 
that might be a good the kiss time. of death by the way and yeah. then clint fascia was sent down <laughs> can you lose a week by the way can you lose I've a week if the player the Lunin, i'm just so saying though can you can you lose a week if the player that you pick gets sent down during that week no i get a repick oh okay no, bullshit. Brian Knight no. picked Eloy Jimenez. He went on the IL, and I wasn't even here. And I got oh, yeah. I didn't get a repick. That's just unfortunate. We're talking about <laughs> circumstances. Well, that sucks for you, doesn't it, Slav? All right. Clint Frazier getting me a dub. You are high as hell. All right. I'm actually going. I'm going with my man. Tim Anderson is overdue. Way overdue. Um, he likes in against the Tigers. That's that's who I'm going with. Give me TA seven. Does he like pasta anymore? Oh, he hasn't hit home runs, so he probably hasn't had any carbs lately. Yeah, he hasn't had pasta in a while. Can he have an exception of like eating a pasta? Maybe that that's what he needs to it's hit home Matthew run? Boyd. Boyd's not pitching for Detroit, I don't think, but um, I, I like it. Pasta. For, I, I miss those days when he used to just eat all that pasta. You're not finna troll my shortstop. I'm not trolling you. I'm just saying. I just, you know, didn't you have a deal with a pasta place? That place is regretting that one. All right, I, had a, I had an ordeal where I was on Bad Guy Radio before we recorded, and I had to say bad things about Tim Anderson, and I love Tim Anderson, all in the name of telling the truth. So here's the thing. If So here's the part where I think Tim Anderson is a great pick, and I considered picking him. Because he, obviously, if Tim gets on base, which I do not know why, if he is healthy, steal the damn base, okay? Like, just go for it. He was 20. The, the last time he got thrown out, I did not know that. He's like 28 for 29. Literally, he had never he had not been thrown out like in 27 attempts that he had gone. The guy's got the best, you know, rec, like obviously jump rec. Just go. Just And I, obviously, it's going to get you more points to win this. But I think that when he starts doing things on the field, like gets a walk, you know, again, he never walks, but like gets a hit, steals second, gets a run. I think that that good vibe, that energy is going to catch up with him of like just better things happening. I think Tim's very like streaky like that. When he gets going, he gets going. Like it's like everything positive going through. So he needs to find that and find himself, you know, uh, find that groove again. I picked Tim last week. I forgot to add that stolen base he had last week, but that doesn't mean jack shit. So this week I'm going with Luis Robert Jr. I'm going with the safe pick here. Um, he's going to be playing tomorrow. That's what uh, Grafal said. Oh, so, really? Because yep. Pantera told him? No. No, he told Charlie Montoyo. And then yeah. Montoyo relayed the message. No, he, told, he told Eloy, who, told, who <laughs> called from... From from double A. Yes, yes. Eloy had a nice catch today too. Yeah, he almost um, busted his appendix open again. He, he's he he. Let's not even this. I don't even know why he needs. He needs somebody to help him. So here's our picks of the week: Chet, Junior's going Sheets, Jay's going Frazier, Slav's Frazier. going Timmy, and I'm going with La Pantera. If Frazier wins okay. this week, we gotta call we gotta call Jay Ginger Jay. Ginger Jay picking Clint Frazier. I, I'm not scared. Burger had a Burger comes coming off four Ks. I think there's more of those coming. I think TA is my biggest. I think TA is the biggest. Uh, I think Pantera's gonna be hurt. 
Uh, I think he's my biggest challenge. Think about picks to click. That's how you win. And honestly, I picked it because I looked down in the comments and someone said he's picking TA. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll go with that. But I think TA is my challenge. I think TA going in this week from all the picks. I think TA is the guy that cheats has to be. The other two are just. Clint Frazier is going to be the GOAT, though. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, like, I, you got to think, what's the gap between Maglio Ardonias and Clint Fraser? Do you get a point for defensive replacement late in the game? Again? <laughs> if, you, you, if you get an assist, if you get an assist. He did like, get one. Like, Jimenez, by the way, I did not know where Jimenez was going. Um, obviously, no one's reading that scouting report because Clint Frazier, I looked up his scouting report. Uh, his arm is not something that people don't know about. Actually, everybody knows about it because one of his positives in his scouting report uh, I think he was either baiting him that he was walking slow to the ball, which you should know if a player's baiting you, because Jimenez had no chance whatsoever. Once he went going, I was like, he's done. He's right on the money. Down like three runs, your four runs, trying to go for a double. Bad move by Jimenez. But that's Cleveland baseball today. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Any final thoughts? White Sox win in the division? Yes. The, by, by the way, they cannot do it without having a good week this week. So it's like on a week by week. And basis. they're going to win the division without Jake Berger at second base. That's very likely. That's probably the likely. second part. I don't think it's likely the first part, but all right, yeah, he's got to go find the value. I'm going to go right now. Spend the next two hours and looking at value. I'm going to go spend the next two minutes going to sleep. <laughs> good night, guys. All right. Great show. Uh, thanks everybody in the chat as always for listening, for tuning in. If you are, uh, not following us on Twitter at blackout show shy also on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, it doesn't, I don't think we're doing a, an episode next week. We get Memorial day week off. Gonzo has decided that we need to take a rest, you know, some load management. Um, we've been getting green Look, pie a little so too much. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yes, thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. For Ozzy Gian Jr., for Chris Gonzalez, for Ginger J., I'm Slavko Bekovic. We'll see you next time on The Blackout Show.